an admirable job at conferences, church services, and put up with apostolic preachers that have wore out their voices over and over again. Brethren, I love you in advance for all the help that you give me tonight. Thank you. Praise God. I want to honor the Lord for all that he has done. Uh, this has been a very insightful and impactful meeting thus far. The Lord has really helped us. I want to give honor to Bishop and Sister Dudley, tell them how much that I really do love them. They are certain Christians, and they have the reputation of hospitality, godliness, great zeal for truth. And we appreciate that. Elder and Sister Jonathan Dudley, we love them, and uh, we tried our best to get this good man our way, preach a revival. Before that could happen, he's pastoring. So now we'll just pick up the leavings when we get the opportunity. To Faith Tabernacle, thank you for all that you have done. To Heritage Family Church, your support of this meeting and your labor is not in vain. We have observed your worship. We have observed your service to the ministry, to the house of God, your hospitality. You have provided for us a wonderful room, very commodious and convenient. The gift basket is above average. I was going to ask Elder Jackson how much money it was that he received in his wallet. And, uh, and I was going to wait for him to invent some number and say, oh, and turn away. Praise God. But everything in there is very nice, including the necktie that I also received. Like the Queen of Sheba, there remains no more spirit in me to tell you how very much I honor and admire this wonderful assembly of people that have come to give their hearts to God. Amen. I want to also tonight make sure that I honor the man of God in my life, Elder Von Morton, he is not here, but I want him to know that I love him. Many years ago, I wrote him a letter from the study of the church that I am privileged to pastor and direct in the Holy Ghost. And I told him then, and I mean it now, outside of sin, there is absolutely nothing that I would not do to this very moment that he asked me to do. So I honor my pastor, my good elder, Elder Morton, tonight. To all of the brethren that sat on either side, I feel like Jesus on the cross with the left hand and the right hand here. Amen. It's such a, such a wonderful treat to share these meetings with you. And uh, I love you. I esteem you highly for the work of God. And there are no big eyes and little U's in the ministry in the apostolic church. We came out of some of that at one time where you felt like you were a nickel waiting on change in a $5 restaurant. But uh, uh, that's all gone by the wayside. And thank the Lord for it. I honor you. I really love you. My son is here with me. And uh, having him is a great support. And uh, I love him much. To the speakers, Elder Howard, I could have listened all night long to that heavy anointing that was upon him. It impacted me. I, for one, it was after midnight when I got back to the room, knelt on my knees beside the bed before I went to rest and told the Lord, take a real 
good look and look really deep. If there's anything in here that embarrasses you, if there's anything here that, that you're unhappy with, and God, I'm begging you, talk to me and deal with me because I want to be saved. Elder Jackson, I don't know how else to say it. I'll quote my son by saying, there's just something about the preaching of Elder Jackson that makes you love the apostolic message. And when he gives a certain sound, it, it impacts, it impacts the church, it impacts the meeting, and it impacted this preacher. And brother Avery, I've said it to you a couple of times here tonight, but I want to say it publicly. I will never again approach worship to the Lord. In the same manner, I have been forever changed by the revelatory preaching of the Word of God. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to Elder Moody. Um, I, 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 cannot, I cannot esteem him high enough in my life. I love this great man of God. And uh, it bothers me, it bothers me that he is growing older. I wish we could say to the moon, stand still, and to the sun, hold your place. And the elder would just stay here till Jesus comes. But if the Lord comes tonight, that'd be just right, wouldn't it? We'd like for that to happen. I'm looking forward to the preaching tomorrow of Elder Moody, and then tomorrow night, also Elder Howard again, and tomorrow night, save the best for the last. Elder Lambeth, and I sure am looking forward to it. He preached at our church, do you want to be the friend of God? And we still talk about that, and in my prayers, I still pray that way. Would you like to stand, and would you like another opportunity just to exercise your great love for our great God? Would you like to do that? God, we praise you tonight. Thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. Hatobo koshila mataya kosata mahaya. Iramo koshile mo koshatai. Handai kumo bakayito mahasata. Ikaishalamoldo bakaya. Hallelujah to God. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. The weight of this is heavy on my shoulders tonight. It's on my spirit. I was reading a little bit about the heart and uh, how that for many, many centuries that men believed that all of our emotions, all that our feelings are vested in this little mechanical pump called the heart. I don't know if that's where it's at, but I know this. I can feel the pressure of this service tonight. And I'm not saying that, that I am nervous. I am not nervous. I'm not saying it that I am embarrassed. I am not embarrassed, at least not at this point. But I do feel the weight of what I believe that God would like to do in this house for this people that are gathered in this place. If you have your Bibles Turn with me to the book of 1 Kings, uh, chapter number 22. We're going to read just a few verses of Scripture. Again, brethren, thank you for preaching to me. I'm a much better man because you have. 1 Kings, chapter number 22, beginning to read at verse number 19. 
we are intersecting this story of Micaiah speaking before Ahab. And he's got a word because the man Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, has asked for a true man of God. And he said, Micaiah says, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by him, on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said on this manner, and another said on that manner. And there came forth a spirit, and stood before the Lord, and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him, and prevail also. Go forth, and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. Skipping down to verse number 26. And the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and carry him back unto Amnon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison, feed him with the bread of affliction, and with water of affliction, until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou return it all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, O people, every one of you. Pay attention to what the Lord is saying. Praise God. Let's pray. God, we thank you. I thank you for what this service has brought us, for the singing of the choir, the worship of these people, the leadership, God, that has brought us into your presence. Let this spirit, God, that you have for this house rest heavily on your people tonight. It is obvious, God, that you've got this conference on your mind, and we're very grateful for it. Now, God, deal with your people after the manner that you have chosen. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody together said, Amen. You may be seated. We are a people that delight to know the will of God. When I say things like that, I can hear the voice of my pastor as he continually would put into our spirit, you got to know what is the will of God. When it came time to, to go out into the work of the Lord in the full-time ministry, uh, he left it on uh, my shoulders to hear and to know and then to concur uh, if it indeed was the will of God. There were a couple of incidents where opportunities opened up, and uh, after much consideration, I went back to my man of God and said, it doesn't feel right, and he would say, 
that's right. But when it unfolded, uh, it was right in the will of God. Ephesians 5 and 17 tells us, Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understanding. God has a will. God has a purpose. God has a design. God has a master plan. God's got us in the very palms of his hands, as it were, the very apple of his eye. He knows the end from the very beginning, and he knew us while we were yet in continuance in our mother's womb. God has a plan. Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Colossians 1 and 9, Paul, after he is addressing the church at Colossia, he says to them, uh, he said, we also, and gives a little, uh, a little introduction. Then he said, he said, we also do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. Would you say that with me? In all wisdom and all spiritual understanding. Say it with me. And spiritual understanding. In Romans chapter number 12, very familiar to us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, Amen. Which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. We teach the will of God as preeminently important in everything that we do. I, for one, would hate to be involved in pastoring an assembly and trying to impact a region of our nation, of having the oversight of other men who were developed under our ministry without knowing the will of God, the perfect will of God, not three levels of the will of God, the good, but not the, and then a little bit better, the acceptable, and a little bit further, the perfect. But I'm contending tonight that the will of God is good, the will of God is acceptable, and the will of God is always perfect. Amen. For our lives. James chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And in verse 17, the writer tells us a little bit more by saying, therefore to him that knoweth. To do good and doeth it not to him, it 
is sin. Now that's just, that's, that's, that's pretty tight. That's, that's pretty harsh. That's pretty direct. But I believe that the will of God is not an option for us when we're doing the work of the Lord. Signing up to be God's man or God's people or God's uh, family or God's church. It demands that we have a preeminent place in our thinking and in our mind and in our heart. That whatever it is that I am doing, whatever it is that I am planning, whatever it is that we are thinking, that it be the will of God that is revealed to our spirit. Can somebody say praise the Lord? I am contending that God has a will. I am contending that the will of God is knowable. I am contending that the will of God is doable. I am contending tonight that we must not, as the apostolic church, we must not lean on our own understanding, but something needs to get down deep in our spirit that says, I'm in tune, I'm connected, I've got it in my heart, I've got it in my spirit. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going. Where you lodge, that's where I'm lodging. Where you feed, that's where I'm feeding. And where you sleep, that's where I'm going to sleep. And your people are going to be my people. I'm interested in knowing, God, what you're doing. I want to know how to get involved in doing it with you. Praise the Lord. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God has a will. It is knowable. It is doable. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We strongly believe that we must know the will of God. We strongly believe that we must fulfill the will of God. When God reveals His will to us, we are not given the options to ignore it and to insert our own will. Jonah tried that and it did not work out very well for brother Jonah. In the book of Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 18, the Bible talks to us about those 12 men that were sent into the land of Canaan. They were given responsibility by God. The revealed word of God came to them and he said, see the land. What it is, the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of of the first ripe grapes. And the next verse tells us, so they went 
up in the 14th chapter and verse number 29. When they have returned with a report that is not in accordance to the commandment of God, when they have not fulfilled what God asked them to do, they come back. A man missing the plan and the mind and the purposes of God and the miraculous intervention of God. And in verse 29, it tells us that because of their disobedience, that every person 20 years and upward is going to die. Their carcasses are going to rot short. Of the promises of God. It's not going to be a pretty sight. It's not going to be something to look back on and say we're proud of that moment. But it's going to cost some people that did not even go into the land to spy out the land. They came back with an evil report. It was the direct commandment of God. Tell us what it's all about. Bring it back to us and just tell us how to get there, what to do when we get there, what to expect. But that's not what they had in their mind. And then in verse number 33, it tells us that 40 years of wandering in a wilderness was added to their journey all because they did not do the will of God. I have to be very careful here tonight not to get excited and push beyond what I'm feeling in the spirit for this service tonight. But I promise you in the Holy Ghost that God has zeroed in on some folks that are in attendance in this room right now. I promise you that God has got some situations on His mind and He's got some word to give to someone tonight so there won't be some graves in a wandering wilderness. So there won't be some problems that you wish you didn't have to face. So there so you won't have to add years of confusion trying to get back to the place where you were already. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah to God. You gotta know the will of God. The Apostle Paul, the Bible tells us in Acts 16, not too long after he's been sent, returning and sent again. And he now, in verse 6 of 16 of Acts, says, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Verse number 7 said, They essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Verse number 9 of chapter 16, the Apostle Paul has a night vision. And in that night 
vision, there is a man standing before him. We call it commonly the Macedonian call. And when Paul has heard that man in the night vision saying, come over and help us. He has direction. He has understanding. The will of God has been laid out like a super highway. There's going to be some jail time in his future, but there's going to break out in revival when he gets out of the jail. There's going to be a stoning in his future when he goes over to help, but they're going to testify that they that have turned the world upside down are coming hither. Also, I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight because a man was willing to not do what seemed convenient and seemed right and seem commodious to him. I want to go over to Bithynia. I want to go into Asia. We're breaking out in revival. This is the will of God. Who can deny the Spirit and the operation of the Spirit? But the Bible said he was forbidden. And the Bible said it suffered him not. But it was a night vision and great revival broke out. I want to tell us tonight that when we're in the will of God, amen, it's going to be right. It's going to work right. I don't care what kind of obstacle you run up against when you're in the will of God. God, you're going to come out of a prison. Amen. God's going to shake the very foundations. Amen. And the very ones that tormented you are going to come on their knees. And they're going to say, what do you got? I've got to have it. I've got to have it. Whatever this is, I've got to have it. I was thinking of Bishop Riggins sitting back there and the great work that God has laid upon him and the cost that it's uh, taking, the toll is taking on his church and taking on his health and taking on his his family. And it's got to be great. It really has to be great. Then I was looking at Brother Johnson tonight uh, and hearing the testimony of the work of God. And I was thinking that because of a little outreach we had going on, we have any where from 40 to 65 Africans that are coming up to our services, most of them on Sunday morning, but a majority of them on every service. One man only speaks Kiswahili. He doesn't even know any dialects of English at all. But he said to his friend, he, he grabbed it. You know how East Africans do it. They do it like this with their hand. And he shook my hand. And he said to his friend, I don't understand what I'm hearing. But when I walked through the doors, I could feel the glory of God. And I have been looking for this. Oh, praise the Lord, somebody. Bishop Aston, uh, Nagota Aston was just with us Tuesday night this week. This is Thursday, just two nights ago. And they were back. And I said, Bishop, 
the Swahili speakers are here. And, and, and so he preached uh, and he would intermingle and self-interpret with key Swahili as he preached. Uh, I watched that man get up uh, when the altar call was given. Uh, and he was one of the last ones to get up out of the floor. Uh, and when he got up, the carpet was damp uh, where he had poured out tears of repentance. Repentance. Hear me tonight when I tell you uh, there is nothing uh, as valuable and as important uh, as knowing uh, and doing uh, the will of God. Uh, if you're going to turn the world around, uh, somebody's got to get in lockstep uh, with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Somebody's got to pray like Jesus did in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. My father said to me recently, I don't know what kind of beauty you see in this desert. I said, Dad, everywhere I look, I see beauty. Everywhere I look, these old rugged mountains around here, they just remind me of the grace of God. These old prickly cactus that grow everywhere around us, I said, they're beautiful to me because there's just something about the will of God that's not hard. It's not Difficult to deal with. It is not hard to enjoy. To enjoy God. When you're in the will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Our text tonight tells us about a man who is in trouble. With the Lord. He has a desire. The third verse of our text tells us that Ramoth Gilead was a place that he said, they have it. It's ours. He didn't say it, but he could have said it. I want it. I want it. It was a city of refuge on the east side of the Jordan River. It belonged to the tribe of Gad that did not cross over into the promised land. And Ahab wanted it back. He wanted it back. And he said, the king of Syria has it. And for three years they've had it. Been peace around here. But I want Ramoth Gilead. I want it. Jehoshaphat comes up. And you know the story that they visit and Ahab says, will you go with us? And Jehoshaphat consents, I will go. And so up they go. Uh, Amen. But before they go, Jehoshaphat says, uh, wait just a minute. Where we come from, we always ask if God is in favor of what we're about to do. And and Ahab said, no problem, no problem. And he called for his fellowship group. And here they came 
four hundred strong of them came. And they began to tell Ahab what he wanted to hear. Go up, go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. I noticed something, Elder Howard, when I was reading this text and rereading it and rereading it again today. That he never, these prophets never said anything about Israel is going to be blessed when Ramoth Gilead comes back. They never said God is going to be honored when Ramoth Gilead comes back. But they just simply said it's going to be delivered into the hand of the king. They were not interested in the mind of God. They were not interested in the will of God. They were not interested in the direction of God. The only thing they wanted was what they wanted. And they were willing to sacrifice anything in order to have what they wanted. Help me, God. Help me, Holy Ghost. My Lord, help us here today. There's something big in this house. But Jehoshaphat said, oh, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't feel good about this. Isn't there a real man of God around here? Isn't there a real man that knows what God wants? That can tell us what God's thinking? That's, that's not going to preach us a pretty sermon? That's not going to pr- pull out another one out of the book? But he's been laying on his face and getting something from God to help us. Isn't there one of those kind around here? And the Bible tells, he said, yeah, there's one of those around here. But I hate him. I hate him. How come you hate him, Ahab? Because he never says good things about me. He never prophesies good, but evil. Amen. Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. But he did anyhow. Amen. One of those men, while they're waiting for Micaiah to come, finds him some iron horns. And he's going to emphasize the day. And he said, with these shall you push this Syrians until you have consumed them. You're going to get what you want, big boy, and it's not going to cost you anything to get it. If you just want it bad enough, God's going to just do it because you want it. Oh, help God. Help God. Help God. Amen. You're going to prosper. Notice what they said. You're going to prosper. This is all about this is all about Ahab. This is all about Ahab's legacy. This is all about Ahab's spirit. This is all about Ahab's feel-good program. This is all about Ahab's will. Oh, help God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Dear God, help us tonight to get it in our mind and to get it in our spirit. God's got a will and we don't need to inject our will into God's will and then feel like we've accomplished something. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. I got to thinking about it and pondering on it and praying about it. 
How did these 400 ministers get to this place? How, 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 how was it that they could get to the place? They just rubber stamped somebody's idea of victory. Somebody's idea of doing the business of God. How, how did they get to the place where they, they just rubber stamped the program without ever asking whether God loved it or not? First of all, Ahab was a man of prestige. And he had a measure of success. Somebody needs to hear me tonight. He'd had a measure of success. He was, he was the king. He had ten tribes. He was at peace for at least three years. He had a major success. And so these 400 just simply rubber stamped it. Number two, the environment that they were willing to exist in, which included wicked Jezebel, was conducive to this kind of carelessness. Number three, they viewed correction as negative. I'm going to take my time here just for a few minutes. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say. But I asked the Lord in sincerity. I want to feel what you feel for this congregation tonight. And I think I'm feeling it. I have prayed... With a heavy burden. Elder Howard came over and began to pray with me. He went away for a little bit and came back with Elder Moody and he said, Brother Garrett, I feel like, hope this is all right for me to say it. I, I feel like you're up against some real spiritual opposition and we have come to pray for you. I stopped Elder Moody. You know, old men have problems. We don't always make it through the service if you know what I mean. And I met Elder Moody. I said, Brother Moody, God spoke to me. So help me, God spoke a word into my heart. But I said, Elder, I don't know how to apply it. I need help. He laid his hands over on me and began to pray. I felt a peace wash through me. I think I'm in the will of God tonight. I think I'm going to say with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, I think I have the mind of the Spirit. How did they do it? How could they get there from here? How could these men in a God-fearing nation, how? How could the people that were pestered by Moses get to this place? They had a major success, and they were looking up at somebody that they admired. The environment was conducive, and wicked Jezebel had the preeminence, though she was hated by God. Correction was viewed as negative, non-progressive. We don't want to hear 
that kind of preaching anymore. We don't want that kind. We want, we want hang from the chandeliers. I'm feeling this tonight. I don't, I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who it's going to impact before it's over with. But I promise you before God that somebody's going to get deliverance tonight from a very slippery place. Would you stand to your feet and pray to that end right now? Would you pray? Would you pray out loud? Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. You may be seated. Keep this attitude of prayer for just a few more minutes. Just a few more minutes. Thank you so much. I can preach over it with the help of the sound men. But the Micaiah begins to prophesy. I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said they have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. It was a prophetic utterance. It was going to involve the destruction. In destruction, Ahab wanted prosperity. The message that was going to come was going to be a negative message. And how is this going to be accomplished when they turn a deaf ear to such preaching? When Micaiah is going to put on a, be put on a diet of bread and water and locked up in jail until I come again in peace? I'll tell you how it's going to happen. I will persuade him. I will be a lying spirit. I will tell Ahab with the right goosebumps and the right environment and the right feeling to go with it that you're going to succeed going down this path. Oh, God, help us. We have an idiom in our English language that said the wish is father to the thought. It comes from Shakespeare's play, poetry, King Henry IV. King Henry is speaking to his son, Harry, and he says, Thy wish was father, Harry, to that thought. The wish is father to the thought. But the Bible tells us, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Try the spirit. I've used this before, and if it sounds redundant, please receive it. We need to ask when these spirits come that seem to be contrary to a few things I'll mention in a moment. What is the origin? Does it spring out of self-will, self-desire, self-hunger, self-interest? What's the origin? Is this the will of God or is this the will of my flesh? Three areas that will help us to know what to do. Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse number 7. He's talking about whom my soul loveth. In verse number 8, he's asking the question, where are you going to be watering today? I don't want to get messed up with anybody else. Where are you going to be? 
And the scripture says, follow the footsteps of the flock. What is God doing in the body politic? What is God doing in the church? What is God doing, amen, where there's good, faithful, solid people of God that have lived a long time keeping themselves clean from the world? It's quiet in here, but it's right. What's the church feel about the venture you're just about to take? How are those old gray heads looking at you when you start telling them what your plans are? My 83-year-old father just had open-heart surgery just two weeks ago. Doing very well. Thank you for your prayers, your concern. If you didn't know, thank you for your sympathy now. Doing well. Buried my mother just a few months ago. That's not a lot of fun. They were married for almost 64 years. They were married 63 years and nine months. Almost 64 years. He loved her. I heard him tell a group of men one night, he said, I love my wife so much that my wife hurt a lot before she passed. He said, I would just lay in bed. And before we turned the lights out, I would say, I love you. And then he said, I'd turn the lights out. And I would turn to her. And I would just hold her hands. And we'd fall asleep holding hands. He was in love with his wife. Thank you for that today, Elder. I thought of that. He was in love. It's been kind of a double whammy. But that man of God, that old, that old white-headed, beginning to stoop man, my father, 83 years of age, doesn't miss a morning at the church in prayer. The pastor came to the hospital and he said, we can't lose your father. He doesn't know the value that he has. Men like that are in this house tonight. Ladies like that are in this house tonight. Faithful, faithful. Pastor, you lead us and we'll follow. We'll go wherever the Spirit leads you. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. When the church starts getting nervous about your direction, you ought to stop and you ought to say, this is not the right direction. I feel like telling a young man tonight, don't you dare go to that church that was given to you by somebody else and say, bless God, that's not the way we used to do it. That is the way, but here's the way we're going to do it now. I meant to tell what time it was when I started so I wouldn't go very long. And I can feel I've gone too long already. My God, have mercy. What about, that's number one. I'll move on very, very quickly. Number two, what does the Word of God have to say? The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth, it giveth understanding unto the simple. The Word of God never violates itself. God's will never contradicts the Word of God. 
Right here in this area, man said, I fasted and prayed for weeks and I got this revelation from God, but it didn't match the word of God. And this fellowship right here said, no way. Sorry. You're out of here. We're done. Don't call us and we're not going to call you unless you repent. The will of God does not violate the word of God. Get your nose back in that book. Get back there start reading again. Well, we're going to do thus and so. But it violates the word of God, Pastor. That's all right. We're going to do it. Oh, I don't know why I just said that. We're going to do it so we can have outreach. So we can win the lost. We're going to try to. No, 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 no. The will of God does not violate the word of God. Amen. Well, that's right. The third thing that we need is the man of God. The man of God. The man of God. The apostle begins to testify of his calling from God. And he said to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. What does the elder in your life have to say? What does the man of God have to say about what you're proposing in the will of God? Malachi 2.7, For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Verse number 8 said, You're departed. You've caused many to stumble, and you've corrupted the covenant of Jacob. Oh, God, help us. Proverbs 11 and 14, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There is safety. Three areas. What about the church? What about that old stable church? What about those good godly people? Amen. What about the word of God? And what about that man of God? Saints, you need to hear this tonight. I have never seen it on this wise. Pastor, we'd like to visit in your office tonight. All right. We'll visit. Pastor, we have prayed. We have fasted. We have heard from God. We came to inform you tonight what our plans are. Several years ago, several years ago, Several years ago, a man came and said, what do you think, Pastor? I said, go find out and we'll pray. And he went, came back. It was yay, yay, go, go, money, money, blessing, blessing, honor, honor. It's going to be fantastic. And I listened to it and they were excited. The couple was holding hands. They were so thrilled. They're going to buy our home. They're going to build us a two-story home. It's going to be in the six figures at a time when that was a big, big jump for a home. And the job that I'm going to get is going to pay me three times what I'm making right here with all of the benefits plus. And I listened to it. And then I said, would you like to hear what the Lord has to say? Why, of course, Pastor. Of course. I said, all right. The Lord said, it's not His will. You are not to go. Oh, they got mad. 
She started crying. He bowed up like a big old toad. He got mad. He got upset. I can't believe you're talking to me this way. It was prophesied over us while we were at XYZ. I'm telling you everything is in our favor. I said, all right. If God has not spoken to me, it will come to pass. But if God has spoken, you will know. In a week, they rescinded the offer. In three more days, they fired him. And he came back. He said, we'll never doubt again. I don't understand what's going on. I've never lived in a day that's quite like this one. Where folks don't come anymore and say, Pastor, would you pray with us? Would you talk to God about us? They're coming and informing. They're coming to tell. I'm on to something. I can feel it in this house right now. I feel it strong in this house. You're not considering what the will of God is. You're considering advantage. It's what you want. It's what you've been thinking about. It's what you've been planning for a long time. It's what you've got on your mind. That's right. That's why you've been praying that way. You've been bugging God so much that the Holy Ghost is about to say, All right, go on to your destruction. Go on down there and get the job done. Why am I feeling this way tonight? What's on my spirit? I'm a guest in this house. Hallelujah. This is not a conference message, but I am offering not one single apology. Sorry. Praise God. Amen. This is not what you expect from Brother Garrett. Where did this come from? How come this is here? You know, I try my best. Musicians, please come. I try my best to follow God's purpose and God's plan. This is the Apostolic Doctrine and Holiness Conference. Please hold your place a moment longer. Musicians only. Praise God. I'll quit in just a moment. I promise you. I promise you. Let's pray one more time. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah to God. 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 What Ahab did not know. Ahab, there's somebody living down there in Ramoth. His name is Jehu. There's going to be an ordained, God-ordained instrument in Ramoth. It's going to cut your posterity The memory of the house of Ahab is going to be a byword and no descendant is going to survive. 
you better start thinking a little different about Ramoth Gilead. Praise God. Praise God. Help us, God. Paul stands up, Acts chapter 27, and he says, Hey, you shipmen, you know more about ships in the storm than I do. I'm just a Pentecostal preacher. I'm just a Pentecostal preacher. You shipmen know a whole lot more about this storm than I do. But you shipmen, you better get out of those lifeboats. You sailors, you better listen to this preacher. I don't know anything about your business, but I know the business of God. You soldiers, you better do something about this if you want to live. Those soldiers went over and cut those lifeboats and they went adrift. And those shipmen had to stand there and watch them be swallowed up by the storm. But Paul knew what he was doing. We're going to lose this ship and it's going to break up. And it's going to be treacherous and you're going to be afraid. But nobody's going to lose. Nobody's going to lose. If you're willing to listen. Too negative. Too negative. You better stay with that man of God. I have notes. Elder. I've got typed notes. I've got copious notes. I've got notes for weeks. I could stack them up in a pile. I was coming to this conference. We were going to tear the roof off of it. But I said to myself, don't you get on that plane until you've prayed. And I went down into a darkened living room. And I got down in my favorite little chair. I started rocking in the darkness saying, God... I want to do your will. I want you to help me. Elder Moody, a voice thundered. It shook me to my soul. And this is what the voice said. I wrote it down so I would not forget it. I hope I got it here. Oh, God, help me. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I'm going to tell you what the voice spoke to me. I'm telling you, God spoke to me. Say not! Say not! That God is in it. Say not that this is the doings of the Lord. Somebody's about to do something. That the church doesn't feel good about. That the word instructs you not to. And that you're 
bishop has said no. And you know what you're saying? God told me to do it. Hear the word of the Lord. I feel a burden so big in my spirit I'm about to cry. Somebody needs to pray right now. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know why I'm burdened this way. But God does. There may be whole congregations that are about to slip off the piss. There may be some folks that are accepting things you said you never would accept. Because of you looking at somebody with some success. And your peerage and your fellowship is telling you that it's all right. But somewhere down deep in your heart, you know this is not what my bishop put in me. Somebody needs to pray. Church, would you cry out? Come on, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, say not. It is the Lord's doing. Somebody pray. I hate to ask it this way, but would you rise and would you hurry to this altar and begin to pour your spirit out before the Lord and say, God, help me tonight. In this conference, God wants to save you. In this conference, God wants to save your church. I'm telling you, somebody's about to make a bad, bad move. Somebody's about to make a bad, bad move.